Welcome to Wonder Tour with Derek Cobb and Drew Perot, where we are learning leadership lessons from your favorite stories. Hi, I'm Derek. And I'm Drew. And we are on a journey to become better leaders by touring fantastic worlds and inspiring lore by going on a Wonder Tour. We connect leadership concepts to story context because it sticks to our brains better. You can find out more at wondertourpodcast.com. Welcome back to Wonder Tour. This week, we did something a little bit different. Derek and I went on the Cash Podcast with Adam Koch. The Cash Podcast is all about how should we as humans be thinking about money? We brought the Wonder Tour formula to the Cash Podcast, and we really tried to talk about this human-centric wisdom or leadership development. And then Adam brought the investment and personal finance approach to things. In part one, we brought in our classic, one of our favorites, the Office Prince Family Paper. And we took a new perspective on it. This time, we talked about the biases that we have as humans, looking at how Dwight and Michael had different biases that they brought into the situation and how those biases resulted in them making predictions and eventually making decisions that made things better or worse for their situation. So we thought that this would be valuable to bring to our Wonder Tour listeners because it really shows how can you apply what we're learning on the Wonder Tour to whatever life brings you. For us, we went into this podcast about personal finance and money and we ended up finding out that the things that we're learning on the Wonder Tour can be applied just about anywhere. So we hope you enjoy. Now we're going to go ahead and cut over to the Cash Podcast with Adam Cook. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we got Derek Cobb and Drew Perot with the Wonder Tour Podcast. We're going to be talking about something a lot different, a little bit uh, something new here, uh, at least on the Cash Podcast anyway. Uh, we're talking a lot about wisdom, leadership development, self-development, and we're going to try and figure out if it's possible how that we can tie this all into financial planning. So um, I don't think any of us really know how this is going to go today, but why don't we just go ahead and get started? <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks, Adam. Uh, my yeah. name is Derek. I've been doing this podcast uh, with Drew for the past year, and my background is in computer engineering and software development and data science as well. So just a real full plate of all kinds of different stuff outside of this podcast, but we are just really excited to be here with you today to talk about wisdom and that link to really the financial planning. It's it's all connected. You're going to hear us say that a lot today. Yeah. <laughs> so glad to be here. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for coming on, Drew. I'm Drew Perot. For the past, uh, oh gosh, decade, been working in primarily business transformation, like Derek, in areas in data science, software development space, but really my passion is to help people to become the best that they can be. And what we found is that self-development and leadership development are basically the exact same thing because it really starts with us where we have the control and then we, but we just don't do it for ourselves, right? Because if we're becoming better for the good of ourselves, then, well, that's a really slippery slope. That's not wisdom, that's folly. <laughs> so we've, we've learned that we wanna become better for the good of others, so that's really what I'm all about is how can we always becoming more, become more so that others can become more? I think I think I get that. Yeah. Maybe let, maybe let's start by elaborating a little bit more on that, because I think when I think immediately when you first started talking, I started thinking about how um, I've always been one of these people that when I walk up to my friends, um, you know, and we're having, you know, intimate moments, maybe intimate's the wrong word, but we're hanging out and it's just, a, you know, me and one friend and we're, we're having a drink and talking. 
you know, I'll, I'll at a certain point maybe say, hey, you know, where where can I be a better friend or where how can I be a better person? And I, I like those moments of vulnerability where, you know, you're asking your friend to be honest with you. And that's a, probably not a very easy thing to do. But it sounds like this is maybe a little something a little bit different. Am I am I misinterpreting that? I mean, I, I do think that there's a lot of what you just said in what we do. And it does start with being uncomfortable. <laughs> I'd say that's yeah. where it starts, Adam. Is and 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 when do you want to jump into the cold pool, right? <laughs> when do you want to <laughs> get that shock? Um, you you were uh, you, you know you've talked previously on a, on your podcast about how hey we don't want to necessarily talk about our finances like well, how much are you saving? Oh, I don't know. If I don't, I don't want to talk about that right now. Maybe uh, <laughs> I don't want to talk about what the what the number is that I'm at. What's what what is my number that I'm shooting for? I think that there's a lot of parallels there with your own character and your own development, um, not only as yourself, but as a leader of other people. And we use leader very, I would say very loosely because I think it's important to do so. Uh, I think a lot of times we think, oh, that's an executive. That's somebody who's out there in the front and they have to be the leader. You can lead one person. Interesting. I drew. Absolutely. Yeah. It's for us, it's about developing the wisdom to live rightly for other people. And that means that each of us has to see ourselves as a leader, right? And I love what you said, Derek, uh, about Adam and how you're, to me, it seems you're more about the process, right? When I went back and listened to some of the previous episodes, it seems like you're not talking about specifics. You're talking about how do we think about these things? I think that's a tie-in to what we're talking about as well. We are looking at how do we think about these big concepts of how to live right? What is wisdom in the world? You know, what does compassion mean? What is integrity? These sort of things. But because it can be really ethereal to talk about those things, we found that it's really effective for us if we can draw on some popular media that people are comfortable with. So we, we literally started with Star Wars. We're like, all right, let's go back to the first Star Wars and let's use that as an example. Let's see what we can learn from that movie. And that was the jumping off point for us when we realized that humans love stories. Oh, for if sure. we're ever going to change, we have to tie it to stories. Totally agree with that. That's, that's our resonance point. And so one of the things it's still a little bit difficult to get people to jump into it and so that's something that you know we continue to right talk through with people and and ask them like what is it that about this that you know you want to we want you to talk about it more how how do you you know start to get that way and i i think again i think we have the same problem um so you know going back to your conversation how what is your catalyst i i'm curious about that catalyst like how do you for- get how do you get somebody to jump into uh, a conversation that's that's more vulnerable and that sure. kind of thing. Um, well, first of all, I have, uh, they have to volunteer to put themselves in the seat in the office, right? Um, that's the first, <laughs> that's, I suppose that's the most difficult step is coming. Uh, it's, not, it's a lot more Zoom these days than before, obviously before the pandemic. But um, even before the pandemic, we'd have Zoom meetings with clients around the country. But you know, in say Central Ohio here, where we all live. Um, it's, uh, you know, it all starts with having the, I, I, I hate to call it courage, but um, I know a lot of people don't like the idea of coming into a sterile office or what, what is, we call it preconceived to be a sterile office space where you're going to, you know, sit across from some people in suits that are going to get all business on you. So, you know, for us, 
aside from the fact that I don't fit into my suits anymore. Um, I, I plan to someday, <laughs> but um, I'm working on it. But the, the, I think that the, it's starting with the easy questions, maybe uh, inserting a little bit of comedy and loosening up and realizing that the reason why we're asking the questions that we're asking, which, you know, the first time we sit down with somebody is oh, usually over two hours long and it's all questions about them. Um, but that these questions, all of them have a purpose in the end. And the goal is to, get everything that we need and 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 leave no stones unturned so that we don't miss anything and i use a lot of uh i use tons of analogies um and when it comes to that that first kind of warming up getting questions answered getting to know the person on the other side of the table it's like that first it's like going to your family doctor for the first time they have no idea who you are they don't know what your surgical history is they don't know what your what supplements you're taking, what medications you're taking, what you're allergic to. Uh, so they check your blood pressure, they check your reflexes, they get blood work usually. Yeah. Um, and they ask about your family, you know, so it's kind of like that. But um, I would say um, in our, in our business, in the financial industry, it's where I think we're stereotyped as being very technical. And unfortunately those, those pieces have to remain, you know, you can't, you can't have a financial plan and you can't tell somebody whether or not they can make work optional at 60, unless you know the numbers, just a fact. But um, I think it's important to, at least here at our office, it's important to, to get to know our, our clients as if they're going to be extended family. So, you know, we want to know what their favorite <laughs> favorite TV show series are, what they binged on during during the pandemic. We want to know, um, you know, if every day were Saturday, what, what would that look like? What would they do? You know, um, yeah. you know, we, we want to be able to hang out and kind of like we are right now, even though there's no real fire, maybe metaphorical campfire here. Uh, we want to be able to just <laughs> hang out and uh, and and have casual discussions and know that. For, the, for that same reason that if there's ever a, an issue, a problem, a nagging, like we just had somebody call or text me over the weekend with a, with a very kind of dire question that was important to them. And, and we answer it, you know, we, it's not one of these things. Well, you know, we closed at four on Friday. Sorry. See you Monday. So I don't know. It's just a more a human, a human touch as opposed to like the business world. And I, I think a lot of that comes from just not wanting that myself from other businesses. Does that make sense? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I think that sticks out to what you're saying is that you, you say that it takes intention and you say that it takes time allocation Yes, and, and the energy, right? Because when you're talking, it's not just a, well, it's, it's 314. I got to go, right? It's, it's that we've had a, an epiphany here, right? And I think that's really important to bring up. And I, so that kind of bring, I mean, I don't know, Drew, like, does that make you think about how we talk about the long game and about characters destiny quite a bit on the podcast? And I think there's a definite parallel here with the financial side of it, right? Because Adam's basically telling us every week, right? Uh, your, your finances are your destiny in a way, right? Work optional is your destiny. Yeah. <laughs> so... I think that's the that's the first tie-in, right? Is let's talk, let's unpack destiny. Maybe that's probably a good place to start because we you you pulled out this Heraclitus quote, right? The Greek from the you know fifth century BC. <laughs> so when you pull that out, uh, we got to unpack it a little bit, right? So when we talk about destiny, it just basically means like that's where we're going. <laughs> when you talk about destiny in terms of humans, it's not some like fate-oriented thing. It's really like, it's where we're going. And so when Heraclitus, at least to my understanding, said character is destiny, he was basically saying who you are and who you're becoming is who you will be, right? So I think that's also absolutely true in when it comes to managing your wealth, 
managing your future is who you are <laughs> and, and what you're doing is who you will be. There is no, there's no buts about that, right? Future you is just what present you is currently doing, basically. <laughs> and if you do it over and over again, then you'll, you'll be able to develop in certain directions instead of just aimlessly wandering. Like I said, people, we're, we're going we're gonna to get deep here today. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the tie-in, right? Is it, the, the point, though, is, and let's maybe pull in the first example here that we've brought, Derek, from Dr. Strange. So let's talk a little bit about the long game. So I always hear it in terms of you know, taking the long view or playing the long game. But the idea is always that the further out of a viewpoint that you can take to a point, uh, the better for you, usually. If you can divest yourself from the present and getting an immediate return on something, usually you can get a bigger return on it in the long run. So if that Let's pull that into, into the Doctor Strange example. So if you're not familiar with Doctor Strange, we'll give a slight recap here. We're not going to go through the whole movie, but Doctor Strange is a Disney movie that came out in, what, 2017? I'm not sure. Yeah, I can't. Ish. Pull it. Yeah. Ish. That's 2016, 2017 range. Somewhere <laughs> it's in It's a there. Marvel. Marvel movie. Yeah. yeah. Yep. We got Benedict Cumberbatch playing the lead role. But the idea is that we have this incredible surgeon who loses his hands basically in a car accident and he lived his entire life for himself up until that point. So after he loses his ability to do surgery with his hands, he goes and finds this dojo and learns the magical arts <laughs> and becomes a sorcerer basically. So he goes from being this surgeon to being this sorcerer and of course, because it's a Marvel movie, there's this existential threat that is coming and it is called Dormammu. Those would be the macroeconomic trends. There we go. Yeah. There we go. That's perfect. Yeah, there's the exactly. There's these macro trends that are coming for, for us. Inflation. For us all, right? There's no choice. You don't get to higher rates. Like, Jerome yeah, Powell rates. is that he is Jerome Powell, maybe. I don't know. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> these are the parallels yeah. I'm talking about. <laughs> it's exactly. all the same story. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I don't know if Dormammu is equals to the Fed, but. <laughs> Dormammu, Dormammu just got voted in for another two years. So another four year, four year term. Well, this is perfect then. Yeah, I love this example. Let's lean into the parallels here, right? Because how does Doctor Strange eventually defeat Dormammu? Well, it's great because we can hit two different things, right? So Dormammu is coming from outside of time. Dormammu is essentially this unstoppable force that is going to consume Dr. Strange's universe. So, right, he doesn't, he doesn't control that force. The only thing he can do is react to that force. So as, it, as essentially the two worlds overlap and this Dormammu is coming from outside of time, is overlapping on Dr. Strange's universe, don't get too caught up in the, in the space time that we're getting into here, unless you want to. <laughs> unless you want but, to. Click, I'm all about footnote, that. Footnote. <laughs> <laughs> but as that's happening, Dr. Strange, so... We, we didn't mention Dr. Strange has this arcane skill, right? He has this unique to him skill that he can manipulate time. So when something comes from outside of time, right, it seems inevitable. It seems like this is just going to crush me. That's it. I have no choice and it's going to crush me. But what does Dr. Strange do? He leverages his arcane skill. He has the, the green infinity stone uh, <laughs> or he has the eye of Agimoto and he uses it to flip the script on Dormammu while Dormammu thinks he's unstoppable. Dr. Strange uses the eye of Agamotto to loop time on Dormammu and just continuously 
ram himself against Dormammu and die over and over and over again in just like increasingly gruesome ways. And but what ends up happening is he creates a time loop. <laughs> so he creates like a space in between five dimensional time and four dimensional time that is blocking the the evil from from totally consuming his space. So yeah, now I'm going to jump back to the financial world and I would say that this might feel a little bit like contrarian investing. Sure. As well as well as day trading, right? If you are literally just watching the volatility and playing volatility, and I know that's not necessarily the crowd here. That you know, obviously, no, being, I would. I, there's some people that listen to this podcast that wish I would, wish I would do more technical stuff. I've really laid off the technical <laughs> analysis lately. Well, I'd say lately, in the last nine months or so. But no, there's some people that like that stuff. I'm surprised you guys know you're talking over your volatility oh. dicks. Look at you. Okay. Yeah, we like to we Where like we to surf around a little bit. We, we, yeah. we I'm sure we could definitely learn a lot from another conversation with you sometime. That's my true love is talking about the nerdy stuff that no one wants to hear about. You know, <laughs> you do a podcast about um, you know, technical analysis and indicators uh, affecting the the long and medium medium term trends and um, you know, volatility spikes and you know, put call ratios that mark market bottoms and. You know, you you get a nice chunk of listeners, but then you do one on the 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 five money love languages, and you get hundreds of of, of listeners. So it's like yeah. <laughs> nobody cares right. about the technicals. But no, it's, uh, <laughs> that's that's interesting. I feel like maybe um maybe all of my clients need their own metaphorical infinity stone. I think, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's I think these metaphors getting. are very helpful. I mean, you know, if we go back to Doctor Strange, right? I mean, one of the things is is that there were controls, there were ways to manipulate the situation that really weren't written down. They really, they're not like they were against, you know, SEC regulation or something like that, you know, to kind of parallel the world again. But my point is, is that he was able to exploit something. And it really is the essence of good strategy is to kind of look at what everybody else is assuming is the case, right? Mm -hmm. And then you step outside of that. And there's very much a, I mean, what we see in our everyday is that people really aren't considering that their character is their destiny. And so what happens when you start considering that your character is your destiny? Whoa, big, huge things are going to happen in your life. And I think you, you do mention that, you know, as far as we want you to be more successful. This is the dimension that you are hitting on when you say that. And you do speak a lot to the growth mindset. I really do feel without saying growth mindset, you are saying, be engaged in your life. We may hear that manifested today as the concept of mindfulness, but sometimes that concept gets a little bit, as Drew said earlier, ethereal, right? When we start thinking about, oh, it's yoga or it's, it's meditation. Well, okay. Yeah. That is one maybe instance of it, but it really is caring about the moments of your life and realizing that these moments right now and the moments five minutes from now, five minutes from now, you're a different person. I mean, I hate to say that like that, but you could have a, a game-changing thought sure. four minutes ago, right? That yeah. just totally transforms, right? Where, you're, where your life is going. I'll and, share one with you guys, actually. It's, it's yeah, this kind of ironic timing. So um, I've, I always joke that um, I've never worked a day in my life that for 21 years I've been doing this and I, it's all fun every day. I love getting up. I love getting, going to work. I love doing everything I do. I truly do. And um, that's a problem um, because 
when you like something that is also your work, it's hard to walk away from it. You know, it's hard. And I'm, I mean, when I say walk away, I mean, on a daily basis, um, you know, you, there's always something think, Oh, I can get this done, especially when you're a business owner. I mean, you're, you're building your baby, right? However ugly it might be. Um, and uh, my wife went to Mexico for a week. Um, this is maybe three weeks ago. And it was for my sister's 40th birthday. And so I had the kids. My, I have two boys, by the way. It's uh, they At the time, they were 11 and 8. Now they're 12 and 8, about to be 12 and 9, two boys. And I'm always beating myself up about how I need to be a better dad and I need to be around the kids more. And 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 the funny thing is not funny, but I I love spending time with them too. It's it's just you know you feel like I think sometimes you're pulled in many directions. All of us are. You know I'm pulled from my office by um, you know the people that I serve. I'm pulled by from my office by my staff. I'm pulled by my wife who wants my time, my kids who want my time, and then there's the home to do list the work to do list. And it's just all this stuff's always coming at you all the time. And so I was forced for a week. I shouldn't say forced. That sounds terrible, but you, you get what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm not saying forced from the standpoint of, you know, uh, kicking and screaming. I allowed my wife to go to Mexico. That's not what I'm saying. Um, but she went to Mexico and it's like uh, that week I worked every day from 10 to three because I had to get the kids on the bus before I got to the office and I had to get them off the bus. And I had a little note on my calendar every day, pick up, kids from bus don't forget otherwise you'll be dad of the year as a sarcastic reminder that <laughs> don't forget to get your kids off the bus yeah and with alarms everywhere and after that after to make a long story short to, after that week was over with and it was time to go back to the office to, in the normal way i was like i need more of this like this is yeah. this is what i wish maybe i should have had this two years ago three years ago where i've got this experience of getting one-on-one -on -one time not just for four hours, but for a whole week with my two kids to realize the the things that we're all told by our mentors and parents and grandparents and uh, seniors that say things like, when you're on your deathbed, you're not going to say you wish you would have worked a little longer. And then you laugh with them, but you don't change anything, right? I mean, yeah. and, and that and that coming back into the whole, you know, finance, I mean, I, this is all obviously wisdom, leadership, just and wisdom, self-awareness. I think that we just forget these things because we don't we we think too much about the long term. I don't think yeah. we I think I think there's this unfortunate balance we need to keep between now and what I'm gonna do in five minutes, what I'm gonna do tomorrow, next week, and then what I'm gonna do in ten years. Um and I think maybe it's 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 easy. It's like food, right? Everything in moderation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we think, yeah, if you can get to a point where you do think about the long term, but also the right now, that's where the leaders, and we want to develop leaders in that way to work at the extremes because the middle kind of works itself out. If you put the right things in and with the in mind that you're going to get those things out. And, and we do, we have in our, I will say travels and journeys, we certainly do have our, our difficulties having people think about the effects of what they're doing right now in terms of strategy and vision, right? Yeah. And this is why we're so passionate about it because we spent um, just a lot of our working years talking about these things and trying to get people excited about the effects that they're going to have on the middle. And you really just have to monitor the middle, but you have to have it in mind, right? And you have mm -hmm. to know kind of what those next steps are, how they're going to play out. But that, what you were talking to there, and, and we appreciate you sharing that with us. 
one of the things we want to talk about next is kind of like this whole self-initiated disruption, <laughs> I want to say, right? Where you okay. you kind of take it upon yourself to notice that you have a bias. And I know Drew's sure. got some things to say about that one for sure, because Drew is probably one of the ones that broke me out of that loop. I mean, it was great. I mean, I loved that moment. I think back to it and I was I was trying to coach him like, you know, I think you're going to burn out. Like you need to, you need to pull back. And he's like, no, we need to go forward. <laughs> we need to be more energetic about life. And, 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 you know, that, that, you know, we wake each other up. I mean, it, it's just, it's, it's so true. That's awesome. I was at a conference in, in, um, Arizona recently. And one of the speakers, uh, the keynotes got up and said, you know, we need to stop asking people what keeps you up at night. And we need to start asking them what gets you up in the morning. Because mm. so, so much is framed around negativity and fear. Yeah. And instead, yeah. I think we need to worry about what, what, what gets us excited and uh, yeah. what makes us happy, right? Yeah. So, yeah, that's, um, absolutely. Drew, go, Drew, I'm curious. I'm, let, let's kick us off here. Yeah, that's, I want to I finish with one thing that you said yeah, yeah. there, because that was a really good rapper. And that's pretty much what we come to on Wonder Tour, is that we create a model for something. And we say, that's not the only model, though. We need to understand things from multiple perspectives. We need to understand that most things are not binary. And so we can't just say, well, either it'll be this or it'll be that. Either I will take the long view and I will you know, look at how much money I'll have when I'm dead, <laughs> or I will take the short view and I will not care about that at all. And I'll just focus on having fun in the present, right? It's like you said, it's a blend of that. I love this, this quote <laughs> from uh, Thick Not who says our true home is the present moment the miracle is not to walk on water the miracle is to walk on the green earth in the present moment <laughs> that was convicting for me that's good <laughs> it's like, i love yeah. quotes i collect quotes so and yeah oh okay there that. you go perfect i do too i have a big quote file <laughs> me too yeah that's good <laughs> but it's so when we talk about taking the long view right it's to the point that we can pull it back into the present moment the only purpose of looking into the future for me is so that we can pull it back into the present moment. I think, Derek, that's what you were talking to, right, is how do we then make action out of it? Because human beings operate primarily in the past and the future, which are things that don't exist currently, right? The present is all that exists. So <laughs> it's yeah. a little bit silly, like, like we talk about, that we spend so much time operating in the past and the future. Yeah, that's interesting. There's, uh, I'm not sure how far we want to go off into a tangent here, but um, I would say that the people who live in the moment too much are, are not, from a financial planning standpoint, are not very good savers if they save at all, or if they don't put a lot of importance on the future, then it's just, right. uh, you know, they'll just get another iPhone. And and I'm not, you know, I, I, I know there's religions between iPhone and Android, so we're not going to talk about that today. <laughs> As I before I became an eye sheep myself, I used to call them all eye sheep, and here I am, one of the <laughs> wolf in sheep's clothing. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so, but I, I think that the long term thinkers, on the other hand, then they're the most interesting to me. The people who are really, really good at thinking long term are are the best savers, and they're always chasing themselves five to ten years from now. And I think their biggest problem. So, where the people, where person A, the short term thinker, is not very good at saving. And they and they need to think more about their future. The person who's very long term, uh, a very long term thinker, has a tendency to think way too much about the long term, running out of money, how much more they need to save, 
spending very, very little, being very, very frugal, which is good. These are these are all good things. But there comes a point where this money isn't worth anything unless you spend it on something. And I always I'm going to I'm going to give the quote uh, to who it deserves. I never I never sure who said this first. Um, and he probably got it from somebody else, too. But my my good long term friend, uh, Colin Egbert. Said to me once, um, you know, money is a unit of choice. It's not that it's not the root of all evil. You know, want, wanting more money is not a bad thing or saving more money is not bad because money is just a unit of choice. And the more units you have, the more choices you have. And that's it. And whether that's you've whether you've gotten to the point where you've got so many units of choice that now you can just give those give those choices away so others can have choices. Or if you don't have enough and you need to save more, it's still just a unit of choice. That's all it is. So um, but I do find it interesting that the the difference in personality types when you look at the long term thinker who is constantly fearful of not having enough. But that's why they have enough. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's some <laughs> sort of a and Derek, we talk about this. There's some sort of a net present value analysis that that needs to be done right on things that are not strictly dollar signs. <laughs> I think that's what you're going to get into when when we talk to long term people who are too anchored in the long term, because it's not all about, you know, all that's going to go to nothing essentially in the end or go to zero for you at least. And again, it isn't about at least what I believe. It's not about me. It's about others. But if, if you can't be a strong influence in the present moment, just think about how, how your influence. Now let's take it to the character development and the people development side. Think about how much influence that we can have in the present moment by being with somebody in a time that they need us to be with them, right? That's gonna, that compounding influence over time, it, it's harder to quantify, it's harder to forecast, Possible. but yeah. it's powerful. And I, you know, Derek, we talk about sometimes that this, this moment is just a moment for you, but somebody else, it can be their entire life. We've probably all had those moments in our lives, yeah. right? Where for that person, it was just another moment. But for you, you'll remember that moment forever as like a nexus point where things went one way or went another way. And so I would argue that, yeah, being too far anchored into the future prevents us more often than not from finding those opportunities in the present that don't necessarily have a good ROI or don't have a very certain ROI. Right. Totally and I think agree. that's <clears throat> that's where you get into this. Uh, you know, you Drew, you mentioned uh, the the potential bias towards making financial only thoughts and decisions, right? And where you have that, you have this bias that starts to self-reinforce. And that's really where we want to go, you know, a little bit in the conversation here is to talk about some of these like self-reinforcing biases when you're talking about your, your own development, right? When you think about your own leadership and the way that you lead, you, you continue to reinforce that to yourself. If someone doesn't lovingly break you out of that, you could be too contrarian of an investor, for example, <laughs> over the long period. You're always like, well, I'm always looking for this counterplay. I mean, commodities are going this way. So I'm going to sell commodities and I'm going to buy bonds, whatever. Yeah. You're going to reverse everything, right? The terrible and, strategy, by the way. Right, right. You can't <laughs> constantly, <laughs> right. <laughs> it is a terrible. That's why I, 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 I think I just, what did I? <laughs> oh, 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 I was on Twitter. I tweeted something uh, about how you know, if you want to be a hero, well, you know, wait for whatever asset class, I said market, but wait for the market to bottom, you know, don't try to catch the falling knife, but wait for the market to bottom. 
and start buying on the way up the hill, understanding you're not going to find the bottom because the only people who pick bottoms are monkeys. You know, monkeys pick their <laughs> bottoms. That's it. We shouldn't be picking our bottoms. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so we have to be uh, we have to be catching ourselves, right? And that's I think that's one of the other reasons that we use stories in Wonder Tour is that you know someone will see a movie or a story that they really like, and all of a sudden we find that there's a teachable opportunity for us to interject, right? And and actually it's funny because sometimes we use things that are funny. For example, The Office, right, Drew? Yeah, you, do you want me to do a little bit of a setup here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't you speak to some of that? Like as far as you know, what we kind of do with the the office there. Or what oh yeah, we love we don't just do example. movies, we don't just do Star Wars and Marvel. We we like to go into really anything that has relevance in today, right? As long as because we it has to resonate with somebody, right? We can't just go and do, you know, our favorite comic book or something. That's not gonna quite provide the the benefit. So The Office, though, is is one that we've noticed, right? It's one of the most popular TV shows of all time. We love to go in there because there's just such funny, but really inspiring dynamics between the characters. And sometimes the way that they inspire us is is not in the positive sense. And we do always want to look on the positive side of things, but we can always flip the negative to be a positive as well. So The Office, uh, I know, Adam, that you're not a huge Office fan yourself. So hopefully... In my defense, it's not that I don't like it. I just never saw it. And, okay. and, and that, that's a, I understand that's a sin in itself. So you're unbiased entirely about the office. Though. It is Adam. We will forgive that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Eternal fire for me. I know. <laughs> well, uh, well, let's, let's just do a quick recap. So we'll talk about Prince family paper. Uh, I think this is a pretty classic episode in terms of fans of the office season five, episode 13, this, in this episode, Michael Scott, right? He's the manager of Dunder Mifflin paper uh, in the Scranton office. Michael Scott, his boss gives him a mission to go and scout out this small mom and pop paper company called Prince Family Paper. It's out in the boonies, right? There's not a lot going on out there. It's in a strip mall. Um, So he goes out there and he brings his right hand man, Dwight Schrute. You know, I'm sure you know of Michael and Dwight, even if you've never seen the office. For sure. Yeah. (laughs) But so he brings his right hand man, Dwight Schrute. And Dwight is... Dwight would love to think that he goes into everything with no bias at all, right? He's just like, I just see things for how they are. And I I just act (laughs) on things based on, you know, I I make my, formulate my responses based on a perfect vision of reality. And Michael, on the other hand, Michael just runs on emotions all the time, basically. So (laughs) he, he knows he's biased and he rolls in with that bias each and every time. And so we love this moment here because you get to see both sides of it. So they go into this mom and pop shop. They got three total people working there. They got a man, they got his wife, and they got his son. Uh, Michael goes in first, and he's pretending to be a lawyer who's looking for work, just to again to scout out this little company. So Michael Michael gets his his uh, secret agent persona, Michael Scarn. <laughs> he goes in, and he is. He, he's like thinking that he's going to be rolling over tables and hide, you know, going under laser beams and stuff like that. But in the end, he just ends up talking to this guy about a customer list. And because he does, he's so over the top and attaches his feelings to this persona, he ends up giving away way too much information. He, I mean, truly, he gives up the gig multiple times. But of course, it's a show, so they never see through it. And then Dwight, on the other hand, comes in afterwards. And Dwight, <laughs> Dwight comes in. He's like, I want an interview. And they're like, uh, I don't have any open positions. <laughs> Dwight's like, Dwight's like, well, fire him. And he points to the guy's son. He's like, hire me. I'm better. I'm your son now. 
That's what I'm your son now. <laughs> I am your father. Yeah. This is where this is where the bias comes into it, right? So Dwight kind of walks into the situation making a number of assumptions. And I think we do this. We do this so much. We we have certain models, certain viewpoints on our finances and our self-development. Self-development meaning, you know what? I'm going to read this specific author. If anything, I've learned from Drew. And and you too, Adam, is that you know, you've got to draw from a, a variety of sources, right? You have to draw from a diversity of sources. And this is just ways to disrupt yourself. If you if you don't, we can use Dwight as a model of kind of what not to become because he makes a number of assumptions about the world. I'll give you a funny one, right? Dwight assumes that every moment is an unsafe moment, just about. The guy has nunchucks in his desk. He has all <laughs> kinds of weapons stashed around the office, right? Because he doesn't know when he needs to leap into action as the sheriff's uh, volunteer sheriff's deputy, right? He's right. going to stop the crime. And you know what? There's a couple of times in the show where that plays out. And that that's just statistics, right? But overall, right. his worldview, right? And his viewpoint is very biased uh, towards a specific way of thinking. If we think, and, and you spoke to this actually in previous episodes on here, which is just, I know the world's a scary place, right? I, I, I understand that. There are certain things that are scary that are going on, but there's certain things that you just need to go and do it anyway. Push yourself, push through that, right? That bias, because, right, you let the emotions come in, right? Yeah. One of the things I heard there too, which is uh, interesting, there's so many behavioral and cognitive biases and when it comes to money and emotions and um you know whenever if if Dwight has all these uh weapons <laughs> cashed up inside of his desk and and 20 times that's completely unnecessary that one time that it works that's called confirmation bias he's just been validated <laughs> he yep. just been he's just been validated in, in my world that's you know somebody you know having uh a stock that they they say it's going to come back it's going to come back it's going to come back crypto right now it's going to come back it's going to come back it's going to come back and then yeah. then it and then it bounces 10% in one day and says see it came back you know it's coming back <laughs> yeah you know, yep. it's uh, it's you know i i bought um i bought bitcoin at 50,000 and it's you know if if it's at 45 so i'm going to sell it if i'll i'll sell it if it gets below you know 42 and then it gets then one day you just weren't paying attention now it's at 40 it's like well I'll wait till it gets back up to 42, then I'll sell it. Yeah. And then it right. doesn't get back to 42. Now it's at 38. So, well, I'll wait till it gets 40. When it gets back up to 40, I'll sell it. Yeah. And then it's down to 36. And you just keep, it's, you just keep changing it. And that's, it's interesting. That's definitely, definitely parallels there. Absolutely. And, and that's why we think that, you know, a lot of this is so applicable and, I don't know, Drew, what, what additional thoughts do you have on this bias topic? And I know you're like, probably just really like, you know, thinking something there. <laughs> yeah, I, I've heard before humility-based investing, and I don't know if that's a loaded term that comes with other, you know, things as well. But the idea is that we could have a whole other podcast on probabilistic thinking, but, but again, things are not binary. And so oh, no, and I'm no, not better than other people at predicting them generally, right? In small mm -hmm. in narrow scope, I can be better when I have an information advantage. Yeah, for sure. We all can. <laughs> but that's rare that you come into contact with that type of a specific scenario that's legal where you have an information advantage that you can leverage, say sometimes right? illegal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> to be humble in this space really means to remove our biases and to understand that 
we always have a bias. We always yeah. have a slant. Derek, we talked about how our background is primarily in data analytics, right? And business transformation. Well, of course, our slant is going to be towards companies that are strong in those areas. But does that mean that those companies uh, have a great product? Does that mean that they have a good customer, you know, that, that they have a good understanding of their customers? Not necessarily, right? They, yeah. You can make great models, but that doesn't do anything over here. So that's just a very like surface level example. The biases run a whole lot deeper than that. I just think it's important that we, number one, try to take emotions out as much as possible from our it's hard to do investments. Though. It's so hard to do though. Um, we had a client once back in the t- early 2000s who, whose dad was in uh, World War II, and um, she said, "You look, I don't, I don't want to buy any foreign stocks." You know, she she named specific countries, but just there's there's a bias there. We're not buying them. Sorry, no, no matter what we do, I'm not interested. We had another client who we found out um, when we did their her her risk assessment that she was comfortable. We we do them from one to 99 miles an hour. It's basically a it's a piece of software called Riskalyze, but um, it, it assigns a risk number based on a speed limit. So you know, if you're if you're driving 50 55 miles an hour, so to speak, then that would be like a balanced investor. If you're in the 60s, 70s, that's moderate. Above seven, call it 75 to 80, you're on the brink of an, being an aggressive investor. So if you're driving 85 with your hair on fire, you know you probably don't own any, have a bond allocation, let's just say. And this particular individual um, came in saying, look, I don't like stocks, US international doesn't matter. I don't like real estate, definitely don't like commodities. Um, I just wanna own bonds, safe stuff. And then we do the financial plan and we find out that in order for, for her to retire, she was 67 at the time. She wants to retire at 70. I said, well, I can't get you retired at 70. There's no way. I can get you to 72 if you do what we, if you, if we give you what you need, not what you want, but what you need, then we can get you retired at 72 and not 70. If we do what you want, we're, you're going to retire at 76, but you're still go broke safely. You know, in other words, you're going to, you're going to be safely invested with all the, all the comfort that you want right up until the day you're out of money, but you're still alive. So I think that these biases can get us in huge trouble, but at the same time, they're so difficult, I think, emotionally for people to put aside. Um, another one, here's an, well, this is, I wouldn't call this a bias. I would call this a, I don't know what you would call this. Maybe you guys have a word for it, but I'll tell you the example. So we had somebody once who, uh, during the COVID crash um, said, you know, I lost more money during the COVID crash than I did during 2007, eight and nine mortgage crisis. And my first question, of course, was, well, how much money did you have in 2007, eight, nine? Because even though the COVID crash was relatively steep at 30, you know, 32% um, or 34%, it, was, it wasn't it was 57% like the mortgage crisis was when the S&P was down 57.8 from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. But if you have, I think one of the big biases that people have that kind of parlay into even more biases is thinking in terms of dollars and cents instead of in percentages. I think that when yep. you have a $100,000 portfolio and someone teaches you, which is a fact, that the market goes down on average 14% per year, and that's normal, then you're going to be down $14,000 at some point that year in your $100,000 portfolio. Yeah. But when your portfolio grows to a million now, that means you're going to be down $140,000, and that's normal. That doesn't mean you need to start attributing how many years it took you to put that much into your mortgage. That doesn't mean that you need to think about how many cars that could buy or chai tea lattes or whatever your thing is. Um, (laughs) But that's what people do is they start, they think in dollars and cents and they immediately start 
you know, like I said, this is turning into probably I'm going off the reservation, but they start attributing things to what that could buy. And so it's almost like the wealthier you get from a standpoint of money alone, the harder it is emotionally to deal with the fluctuations in that wealth because, uh, well, especially if you started, if you, if you did it on your own, right. If you, if you saved it all on your own, but admits um, these by emotions are honestly, I always joke, I've got a, a psychology and a finance degree. So I've got two majors um, and I feel like I use the psychology degree more than I use the finance degree. Cause you have to deal more with emotions are so important when it comes to money. You got maybe health for some people, maybe religion, then money. That's, I mean, those yeah. are the three most important. Well, family. Okay. Maybe I'm not wrong there. So in the top four, depending on how, depending on someone, depending on current events and what's bothering people at the moment, um, money kind of goes up and down amongst that ranking of four, of four things. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think you're right on is the fact that, you know, there is a bias towards one of those typically, and it can kind of overtake the others. And we want to have balance, right? I mean, the key here is to really have balance and to not, I would say, bias towards one or the other too much. And the only way you get there is to really disrupt yourself and be around people who are going to challenge you to be disrupted, right? They care enough about you to say, I'm going to break you out of this loop today. And I would say this is that I think one of the things that we emphasize that goes along with that is, you know, we'll go back to the Dwight example for a second. If you have such an ego like Dwight, right? You, you don't let yourself be disrupted. In fact, when you have those moments, you actually take them and turn them into more confrontations or conflicts, right. right? But if you let the defenses down and you say, this person cares about me, right? This is why they're saying this. Then you have that moment of humility, you know, going back to what Drew was saying, you know, have that humility mindset, right? It's not just in finances, right? It is in relationships. Sure. And, and you have the moment and you can actually capitalize on that, right? So you can grow in self-development when you have an investment strategy that's totally biased, as you're talking about, Adam, is like, you know, buy and hold forever or whatever it may be. Right. Which is not yeah. a bad strategy. I mean, it, it can work. It can depends, you know, right? It's always it the answer. Fine. It depends. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just <laughs> exactly you, you want to have a, a diversity there, though. Like if you want to have a little bit of risk, that may not be too bad of an idea. Right. So anyway, I'm not a financial guy, so no. I'm not giving advice here. Um, I'm just stating some facts, but we can think the same thing in our self-development as well. Go out there and, you know, risk yourself a little bit in your self-development. Right. And have a little bit of risk in your portfolio. Don't play totally to the bonds all the time and be over biased to that, where you're just like, you're not getting any gains. You're not gaining as a leader. You're not gaining as a leader of your family. You're not gaining as a leader in your company because you honestly maybe don't think that that is in the cards for you. But that's just you saying that, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't that the bias that, that you know, it keeps you there? So, and that's and that then- reinforcement loop. Yeah, I got negative, negative self-talk too. Yeah, um, something you said earlier just made, made me think of what my dad put in my wedding card uh, when I when I got married, and what I put in everybody else's wedding card whenever I go to a wedding. Listen twice as much as you talk, and always be the first to admit you're wrong. And um, I think that's not just true for weddings and and married relationships, but for all relationships, um, yeah. is to to be self-aware and not to have your those to be so stubborn and and your biases and whether that's a an opinion um, or a, uh, a discussion you're having, 
right now, right? Yeah, I think we have a good, there's a classic quote for that, right? That's misattributed to, to John Maynard Keynes. <laughs> oh. When the facts change, I change my mind, right? That is the, the mark of a good investor and a good leader is that as soon as new information is provided to you and you have a high degree of either, sometimes it's a high degree of certainty in that information, it's a reputable source, whatever it is, right? It should be time to change our minds. But what we know, and you know probably better than I do, Adam, is that in human psychology, that is not, it seems intuitive that when the facts change, I change my mind, but actually human beings get very anchored to previous points of view on things and struggle to get further and further away from how, so like you said, that's what causes a lot of marriage conflict is, well, I, you know, I started here, so I can't go all the way over to here, even when the facts have changed. <laughs> right. It's terrible. Um, and you, I'm sure you see it with friends, you know, family. I'm, I'm yeah, it's tough. It's tough to watch. Um, if you're somebody who I always like to say somebody who's a deep thinker who really like has these conversations and and reflects. But um, that Keynes quote, by the way, is the, my one of my favorites of all time, um, because it's it's so it's if you if you two. Uh, so I'm a market technician, uh, CMT, and I have this sandbox I play in on Twitter, which is like 42 other technical analysts. And you'll see that quote posted at least once a month. I mean, and, and maybe more because I'm not on Twitter constantly, but. Um, nothing could be more important than looking at a situation, whether whether we're talking about your financial plan, your portfolio, a relationship you have with somebody, um, something you're doing at work, a goal you have for the future to become to get promoted or or change jobs. Nothing could be more true than doing the analysis to 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 determine what it is you want to do initially, but then if the facts changed changing your mind because we live in this world of probabilities, not certainties. And there's, there's this whole long game we were talking about earlier. Um, and I'm sure you, you two see this too, but there's certain people who maybe they struggle so much and they don't even know it, that it's because they have this idea that they can control everything out into the next 10 years. And instead you kind of have to, you know, you have to roll with the punches. You have to, you know, uh, I don't know, live like a UFC fighter. And, you know, you know, what the, you don't know what the guy across from you is going to do or the girl across from you is going to do. But no, I, I think that in the, in the money world anyway, I deal with that quote um, every single day because, you know, whenever I, I have this joke that um, maybe I should just buy stocks that go up. I never really thought about it till now, but I guess I should just I'll just buy the ones that go up from now on. I never thought about just avoiding the ones that go down. Right. But I mean, so we don't we don't know we don't know which ones are going down in the future. And if we did, I wouldn't have a job. First of all, <laughs> I'd, I'd be looking for work. But but you have to be willing to change your mind. Otherwise, you end up uh, becoming anchored to to use your your words, um, Derek, or dragging yourself down with this investment that you've now married yourself to, you know, yeah. because it's got to come back. You know, you know, I shop there every day. No, they, it's got to come back on my on my wallet alone. <laughs> well, I think yeah, it's I mean, a good way to. Oh, go ahead, Derek. No, that's okay. Go ahead. I was going to say I think a good way that we do on the Wonder Tour to figure out to get ourselves out of that mindset because again, even for the most well-adjusted growth mindset people, it's kind of hard to imagine things differently than how they play out. So there's the positive and the negative side of how things can play out, right? I can say that I, you know, I think it's going to go a certain way and it does go a certain way and it pays out for me. And so that one is really hard to think in the negative. It's really easy to pat ourselves on the back and be like, oh yeah, I was right about that. But 
what we do is we we call it what if, right? We're riffing off of what Marvel does with what if. And we think like, what if things went completely differently? And it brings that humility that you need that says, what if that didn't pay out? How would that have changed things, right? What if I was wrong about how that played out? How would that have changed me? And I think having going through that what if, just like when you're driving a car, right? When you're driving a car down the street, like one of the best pieces of advice that I ever got when I was learning how to drive is always be asking what if, right? Mm -hmm. What if that semi moves lanes on me here? What if this car goes on red? Things like that. It teaches you to think humbly and probabilistically about how things are going to happen instead of deterministically and thinking, okay, well, they'll just follow the rules. It'll just happen as I'm imagining that it's going to happen. Some people call that anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) So that, I'm glad you brought that in there, Drew. That's that's really good. Uh, Our next episode, we'll be we'll be comparing medications to different types of biases. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, Sorry, Adam, you were saying something. I no, just I can't remember. remember. It's it's fine. No, no worries. No, I, our, I think I think all I was time. saying was just that there's so many biases um, that that you know we have to we have to be willing to be to be flexible and nimble. And the people, I think, the people who are the most nimble win in the end. When I say win, I don't mean there are there are no losers unless you choose to lose. But if, uh, but when I say win, I mean, you know, people who, you know, we're, when we're talking like right now, like what I'm hearing all the time and just using current events is, you know, this Ukraine thing, you know, it's just, you know, things are going to keep getting worse. We're going to go into a recession. The market's going to crash. It's like, really? It's because like, if you know that I'll pay you whatever you want to work here and then I'll just, you know, I'll just short the market then, you know, you just tell me what your price is. <laughs> but, but of course, they don't know, and I don't know. Nobody knows. I mean, we have to. Nobody again, knows. we're dealing with probabilities here. I mean, I'm seeing a lot of evidence, uh, more evidence than not, that we're closer to a bottom than we are to the to the beginning of this thing. But that doesn't mean um, uh, Dave Keller. I'll, I'll give him this quote because I think he's the one that said it. Said it but uh, Dave Keller with StockCharts.com says, "Never miss, never misinterpret the bottom." Of the we hope you enjoyed part one of Derek and I's journey on the Cash Podcast with Adam. We'll be back next week with part two, which is more of a fireside chat and reflection session. Remember, character is destiny.